That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Medler, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Alex, here with Javier. We're here to do uh, what's usually referred to as a continental catch-up. But in general, we're just going to be talking about uh, teams in the rest of Europe's, quote, top five leagues. Uh, how some of their title chant campaigns or uh, just general league campaigns are going and maybe some of their Champions League outlook after uh, we kind of glossed over a few on our last Champions League preview pod. So, Javier, you want to jump straight into La Liga? There's plenty going on there uh, with certain teams uh, yeah, looks, playing very well. Looks kind of open this not season. So well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it kind of looks open this year. I mean, Real Sociedad top. After nine games with with twenty points, they've won their last five games. Um, you know, David Silva was the the big name transfer that came this over the summer to replace Odegaard, who has been at Real Madrid but hasn't really been doing much there. I guess it's it's a really stacked midfield and and front line to get into. But you you would have thought that how well Odegaard was performing at Real Sociedad that first Sociedad would have missed him a lot, and second that you know he would have become somewhat of an important player at Real Madrid but that has not happened yet you know Barcelona look to be to be struggling they're in eighth place they, right they now which two is fewer games yeah uh, two fewer games that's fair same with Atletico Madrid Atletico would be first if they managed to win their two games in hand yeah very uh, impressive from Atletico 17 goals and 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 only two against which we're, we're used to the two against which is by far like the best defensive team in the league but to be the the second highest scoring team you know above Real above Barca with like you said, two games in hand is it's really really uh pretty awesome for Atletico Madrid. We're kind of seeing a more attacking flair come out of them with uh you know their summer signing Luis Suarez and you know your boy Zhao Felix coming out. We we didn't uh, I think the Luis Suarez signing was finalized like right after our Champions League preview pod, so we didn't really get to talk about that. I feel like we might have even considered them maybe for first place in that group. I know Bayern are probably going to take that now, but. Uh, if we'd known Luis Suarez 100% was going to be playing there, because the the way that 4-4-2 sets up for Atletico now, with Jao Felix and Suarez up top, if they can keep those two healthy, which was an issue for Felix last year, and Suarez is obviously on the, the closer to the twilight of his career than the, the beginning of it, they can keep those two healthy, then their main issue uh, of breaking down these teams that uh, basically do to them what they like to do to most other teams, just sit deep defensively, that becomes a lot easier when you have a creator like Xiao Felix and obviously a proven goal scorer in Luis Suarez. So I'd say they have a better uh, shout for the title chance this year than they have in the past like three or four seasons. Uh, remember that last time they won the league was 2013-14. It's a good few years away. Like it's been all Real and Barca since then. So uh, maybe this team can be the one that gets Atletico back to the top. I'm I'm not super certain of it yet. I know the Thomas Lamar uh, sale that they were forced to make definitely hurts them, and they were very heartbroken about that. But they've still you mean got the, good options the in Thomas Partey, not Lamar. They still have Lamar Sorry, and Thomas Partey. And, yeah. and Lamar, 
Um, Lamar's been playing better. He's been playing Partey, better, yeah. Losing Partey is, is, is terrible. And supposedly Diego Simeone was raging when that happened right at the deadline. Uh, for good reason. He's a very good player. So there, I, I would say Atletico are the team in the league, like the dark horse in the league to to maybe challenge Real and Barca this year. But if you want to jump back to Barca, there's certainly been a ton of changes there. We, we've talked a little bit about Komen coming in and how that will affect them and some of the changes they're kind of being forced to make. They're for, being forced in a good way to bring through more youth. You've seen great performances from Ansu Fati, who just picked up an injury recently. It's yeah, it looks like he's out for like three or four months, which is yeah. a little bit brutal it's, it's, for him. It's not a little bit. It's really brutal considering how well he'd started the season. He'd broken into the Spain squad and was basically being forced to start. Like he gave them no no choice but to start him. But it wasn't just or it hasn't just been Ansu Fati. It's been Pedri, the uh, young Spanish winger, who honestly, like it, it sounds like too simple, but he seems like another or a younger version of Pedro, except more talented. So he's one that's uh, going to be very interesting to watch, like th- develop throughout the season. Yeah, they just um, kind of put they, they, they it seems like they kind of get one of these guys once a season, you know, Ansu Fati last year, now Pedri this year. The, the Barcelona Academy, you know, they're still very, very good. And I'm, I don't think Komen's going to be the type of, of manager that's going to be able to lead them to a league title. I think we're going to have to see some some phenomenal performances from a player now like Griezmann, who has, has been giving that center striker role now that Suarez is gone. And he's been looking a good amount better. Um, as well as Usman Dembele, who not, not that much better. Usman's Usman's been really good, but Griezmann, it's it's kind of been depressing to watch his drop off at club level. Basically, ever since he left left Atletico, and like he's he's getting more chances this year uh, back in that central role, but he still feels like he's not like completely completely in shape and uh, and. and, and play and inform I guess he's it still seems like there's a disconnect between a lot of the rest of that team and Griezmann but uh, do you really not think Barcelona can win the league even with Messi still in the squad well he's like just on the way out it's been a really hard start and I think that kind of knowing that Messi doesn't want to be there and he was kind of forced to be there you got to think that it's got to be in the back of everyone's mind like oh you know this might be the last season with Messi like and I just I'm, I have no faith in Ronald Koeman. I'm you know I, I, as well as, as as good of players as he has. There's just there still isn't that balance in the squad. You know they lost Arturo Vidal, who still seems to be a decent player, um, who played a good amount in that midfield. They lost Artur, and I know that they picked up Marilyn Pjanic, but I just I think Pjanic is while he, he is like really a classy yet, classy though. player he to play a little bit. Yeah, he is a classy player, but I don't think that he's, you know, the type of player that in high octane games he's going to come up come up with big goals or big assists. And you know, I, I don't know how much he really adds to this team. I feel like he, Frankie De Jong and and Busquets, you know, yeah, he's he's in the probably in the twilight years of his career. But you know, you gotta you gotta think that they they've already got that midfield down. And how many how many starts is Pinich going to get this season? I don't know. For me, it's. Um, well, I mean, it looks like Busquets and De Jong like might each be forced to play center back a bit because like Lenglet's had uh, injury issues. PK has been, uh, at least for Champions League, he was suspended for a game or two. Uh, they don't have much cover there, especially Umtiti being out for, I don't know, I don't really even know what his situation is now. He just isn't really available ever. So maybe Busquets will be pushed back to play at center back, which I honestly think would be the best uh, for all parties concerned. 
at this point because you you, you got to have some sort of consistency in midfield. And I feel like Pjanic and De Jong probably forms like the best sort of combination of a shield and defense that uh, for that like kind of crappy backline right now. They've been shipping a good amount of goals this year, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be the one who's arguing for Barcelona to win the title, but it still feels like with Messi in the squad, and even if he wants to leave Barcelona, I still feel like he loves the club in general and wants to perform well for them. I, I, like, if he can win Ernesto Valverde multiple titles, he can win Ronald Koeman a title, especially when Real Madrid seem to be kind of uh, in the same sort of spot as them. Yeah, just two losses and two draws in the first seven games is is it's got it's got to be quite worrying for this team and they've got two games in hand though and if they win both of those they're three points off the current leaders so you know there's plenty of time left <laughs> we've seen how volatile a situation this like intense schedule or condensed schedule uh has made things where injuries can happen very easily to any team and all of a sudden that team is on a, a three game or four game winless streak and you're back in the picture i don't know it, speaking it of like- i mean i mean I, I don't you know barcelona for me like you said it's a little bit early to to really give judge them because they're only seven games in but real madrid they're a team who just came off a 4-1 loss to valencia who were near bottom of the table in la liga and they haven't had a great start to their champions league group are you a little bit worried about this Real team? I mean, I know Zidane is is won a trophy every single season he's ever coached them, and you know he's he's the heir apparent to Mourinho. It looks like in in terms of just like winning everything and winning all the time. But and, and you know he's he's brought in Vinicius more into this team this season as well as Rodrigo, and they've both looked very much to bright. Benzema's, and, uh, displeasure, yeah, much to Benzema's displeasure. But you know you, you got to. He's also been playing Lucas Vasquez at right back. Uh, it seems to be the the preferred yeah. choice right now, and it's it's. I th- I, th- I think though a couple of things I've noticed with them is is Varane. You know he had uh, some howlers in the Champions League last season, and you know he's he's looked at times to not be the player that he was in previous seasons, and he kind of seems to have continued that into this year. And then you know Ramos is a year older, Marcelo's a year older. Obviously Real Madrid's still have a, a team chock full of talent chock full of you know amazing youngsters Luka Jovic like I mentioned earlier Martin Odegaard Ferlan Mendy uh, uh, among many others but do you think that this team is gonna is a little bit in transition like between the old guard and the new guard and then that this might be a year where they they don't win anything well yes they're definitely in transition but they were in transition last year and still managed to win a league title so uh, like I, I, they're definitely still one of the favorites uh, for the league again. Uh, but I, I feel like the, the main challenge, not only for Real, uh, but I, I feel like it's more of a, a discernible challenge for Real because of their squad depth, is how they manage and how Zidane especially manages the balance between rotating your squad enough to you know keep players somewhat fresh and not overwork them too much in this condensed schedule and finding some sort of consistency to whether it's your system or your lineup in general. I feel like every time I watch Real, whether it's because of the injuries or because of suspensions or COVID positive tests or something, their lineup's different. And you're seeing all these different combinations of players play in midfield. Sometimes it's the usual Modric, Cruz, Casemiro that we've grown accustomed to. Sometimes Valverde's in there. You've seen all kinds of things. And the system has changed a good amount too. 
And I just feel like the, the the lack of fluidity and like the link up between all the all the different phases of the team is just not quite in place yet. And you know, it's seven or eight games in. They're exactly eight games into their league campaign. I'm sure things will settle down for them at some point. Uh, but there has to be some sort of identity established at some point. And I, I feel like under Zidane especially, even back when they were winning those three Champions Leagues in a row and won the league with him when they had Cristiano Ronaldo, their their, their system, other than counterattacking, was never really fully in place. And they had like all of those players in their prime, so they could pretty much get away with that. And they obviously had Cristiano Ronaldo. But now, without that like one towering presence at the top of their team, scoring all their goals when they need it most... It seems like now would be the time to figure out a sort of system that they can lean on and understand that no matter which cog leaves the team, we're going to be playing this way. And it's not going to be too much of a detriment if we lose a player to a COVID positive test the day before the game or something. And, you know, for a team like Real, you would expect them like they're one of the few teams you would expect like, all right, you have all these options, figure it the fuck out. <laughs> and I, I'm still pretty I would probably lean on Real or say Real are, Real are their favorites, Atletico second, Barcelona third. I'm not taking anything about Real Sociedad, Villarreal, like any of them. I'm not taking any of that seriously. I think it's Real's still to lose, but they got to get they got to get some sort of consistency going. Would you would you agree with that? That they're still yeah. The no, I, I I like I, I think those are my my three favorites as well. But I, I do want to talk briefly about this Real Sociedad side. You know, they they have that David Silva. Uh, Mikel Marino, and then there's that that really young Spanish midfielder who's been a mainstay in the side, uh, Zubi Mendy, and he's looked very good. He looks to be learning his craft from you know Marino and Silva and uh, Orrazabal, Or-Or-Z- the Spanish winger slash striker who's now right now top of the league with seven goals and in, in goal scoring. And you know I don't know if they're going to be able to push for that fourth Champions League spot this season. It seems to be quite open, and. You know, if, if we're if we're taking Real, Barca, and Atletico as the top three as usual, then you got to think of the Sociedad side. Maybe maybe they're the ones who can finish fourth. And the other, you know, surprising team, honestly, which I hate to say it, but Villarreal look look decent right now. Unai Emery came in this season, and he seems to be rotating his team a lot. You know, he he Santi Cazorla went to China over the summer. He got uh he got. Takafusa Kubo from Real Madrid on loan, and he's been kind of trying to incorporate him into the team. And I think Kazorlik joined uh, Xavi's team. In, oh yeah, uh, Xavi's Saudi team. Arabia. Yeah, not China, Saudi Arabia. But yeah, I just you know it, it, it's I think there's there's a few interesting contenders for that fourth spot. And you know Paco Alcacer, I don't know how good he's going to be in La Liga, but he has you know five goals and two assists this season. Seems to be coming back in form and. I'm uh, Chikweze as well, a young Nigerian winger, yeah, who who we've talked about on this pod as being a, a, a player to watch. Hasn't really come come too good statistically this season, but you know Unai Emery is one to to get the best out of his attacking players. So I'm uh, is he? <laughs> uh, at least the first season he is. So let's or, see. At least the first half of the first season. Yeah, exactly. Wait for, this, so, wait for the second half collapse. <laughs> so let's let's see how well they do. But I'm uh, I'm. I'm hopeful that uh, also surprisingly Sevilla haven't been that good this season to start the season again. This this all might change, yeah, but I, I wish their f- goddamn league form would like leak into the Champions League a bit because they came back from two 0 down against Krasnodar to to win three <laughs> two. Just to hit on them real quick, 
they're locked in a uh, a pretty tight battle with us, Chelsea, in that Champions League group. We've won two of our first three games and drew nil nil in the first one with each other. Um, and then for these last three games, Chelsea will have to go to Sevilla. And if Chelsea get a score draw at Sevilla and uh, both teams win their other two games, then Chelsea would go through in first and Sevilla second. But they're, they're still very much in, in the race for that first place in that group. But some part of me thinks, like, why don't they want to get their act together in the league and start, you know, pushing back towards qualifying for the Champions League next year? If they're not careful, they might not even get into Europa League. So yeah, Sevilla, they're 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 kind of a tough they're kind of a tough one to pick out. I, I, every time I've watched them in La Liga, it never seems like their players give as much of a shit, which is kind of hard to quantify. But in the Champions League, they just become monsters. Some of them, so. We'll see how they work out. Uh, yeah, we, and, you, and lastly, you pick them to to still get into top four. I mean, no, they've, no. they've only played I'm, seven games too, so I, they're still. I, in I'm it. I'm thinking Real Sociedad are going to do that, but that's my early pick right now. And and just another, you know, just brief mention to about Granada, who finished in that sixth spot or seventh spot last season for Europa, and they're uh, again that in was and their around first year back up, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. and around that you know sixth seventh spot. Only player that I really recognize from that team is Kennedy from Chelsea, playing. He plays like left wing back for them. So, you know, maybe there's going to be someone to emerge from that team this year that that brings them still into that sixth seventh spot, and we'll 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 find some good characters from them. But I think they're a team to keep an eye on. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely good to recognize Granada as you know not just a promoted team. You know, sometimes you look through the schedule and, you know, you're, you're you're considering each team as you're thinking, should I watch this game or this game? And a lot of times you can kind of look at Granada and just quickly just dismiss them as, oh, Granada, I don't care who they're playing. But, you know, if you see Granada versus Real Sociedad or Sevilla or Valencia on the, on, or Villarreal, you should check that game out because they are, they are a fun side to watch. Uh, but that probably leads us to Bundesliga. I don't know why I picked Bundesliga to talk about next ahead of Serie A. Serie A seems like the more exciting league, but whatever, stick with the lineup. Uh, we didn't get to talk too much about Bayern, but since we did, it's probably a good thing because they've had a good amount of injuries. Now, I don't know specifically the extent of these injuries, how long each of these players are going to be out for. It's it's kind of hard to keep track at this rate. There's been so many in every league. But off the top of my head, I can tell you that Alfonso Davis looked like he suffered a really bad injury a couple weeks back. Kimmich, he was playing like he awful though. Injury. He apparently had a really awful start to the season, so I don't know how much they're gonna they're gonna miss him. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean they're definitely gonna miss him. Like if it's for the rest of the season that he like doesn't come back, or he comes back later in the season and kind of struggles to get like his fitness and his sharpness back to stay in that team, then. It's a big deal because he was one of the best wingbacks in the world last year. I don't think that's unfair to say. They did sign Buna Sar. Yeah, and he's been kind of like a stop right back. back. They've played him. They've played him at like right back, left back, center back. They just sort of like play, put him in because he's experienced. I guess uh, he's twenty seven or twenty eight years old and can play. I guess across the back lines. So he's like a nice like stopgap for them. And plus, they've got uh, Sewell and uh, Lucas Hernandez and Pavard back. But it's the Kimmich injury that worries me because he's obviously one of the best players in the world. I think he's the best center midfielder and and right back in the world. You can't really say that about anyone else. Quarantine Tolisso um, is not a not a bad replacement there, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> True. But you know, there's still work to be done there. Now, I don't think any of these injuries, and I'm sure I'm missing some. 
I don't think any of the injuries are going to like throw their Bundesliga campaign into uh, into doubt. I mean, they just won the most important game of their season, which is Dortmund away, right? So, yeah, lucky for them, it was first half of the season when the fans still aren't back. So, um, yeah, I mean, they that, that's that's true. I'll uh, I'll give them that. But in terms of their Champions League credentials, are are, are Bar- Bayern still your favorites for Champions League? I think I'm going to stick with them myself. I think so. I mean, they've got so much depth. They they look like they're just banging in goals. I think they have they have twenty seven goals in seven games. Twenty seven goals. I mean, that's just like absurd. That's almost four goals per game. I don't. Yeah, but wasn't okay. They had the the eight one or something against Schalke in the very first game. Yeah, I'm just I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure it does. But it's just like you know, Lewandowski's got eleven goals in seven games. I mean, the the man would have won world player of the year if they'd had that award last year so a little bit unfair to him that he didn't get to win that he won a bunch of other awards but i don't know i'm uh can we just like give Lewandowski that crown can we just crown oh, him yeah we can crown door winner he was yeah. a ballon d'Or. i, I think in the future when someone asks who won the ballon d'Or in 2020 i'm just gonna be like oh it was Lewandowski. i think he i think he was good enough and won all the trophies required to uh to like solidly i think it's surprising that, that that leipzig are still you know only a couple of points behind this byron side having lost the players that they lost over the summer and we didn't really we were talking about like really, who's going to be the replacement really for them, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's you know that's that was like yeah, fifty I mean, percent the of their goals or something, player, right? Very, I think that's that's I'll really be honest, impressive. I haven't watched much of Leip- Leipzig this year. Have you managed to watch any of or any of them? I've only really watched that uh, United game. Yeah, no, I watched that as well, nil, which, which so they lost really to, badly. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the league, they still look decent. I think Sabitzer's come back from injury, which he hasn't played so far this season. And, you know, he's their captain and, and just scored a goal coming back from injury. And I think, uh, no, sorry, Willie Orban's their captain. But Sabitzer's, you know, a big part of that side and the goals that they need in that. And they've been playing kind of Forsberg as that false nine, which is, again, interesting. It seems to be... Nagelsmann's a genius, so if he can figure out a way to get this team, you know, again, fighting for the title, maybe they're probably not going to win. They're not going to win. But if he can fight till the end and be up there with Dortmund and get that that Champions League spot, you know, it just shows how good of a coach Nagelsmann is with not having, you know, having Alexander Sorloth as his Timo Werner replacement. So I'm hopeful for this team that they're going to, you know, I hope that they don't drop drop down to Europa because I think they would be one of the contenders in Europa if they did and I think they're still a very good side and same thing with Dortmund I mean Dortmund still look like they're I was surprised with how many how many great players Dortmund have on their bench and how how much depth they have right now they're the team that in my mind if they get going they could absolutely challenge this Byron side going down the stretch to the end of the season there's still such a reliance on youth there though where I mean it's a good thing I I in general I refer to it as a good thing, but they're relying on Gio Reyna, Jude Bellingham. Jaden Sancho is still a very young player. They're all supremely talented, and there's more than just those ones, but they're all very talented, but at the end of the day, like you can see it in that Bayern Munich game. They're, they're just like, they, they hung with them as long as they could, and but at the same time, they kind of were missing that intensity and like that will to win and that desire for like the most important like passages of the game. And uh, Holland definitely makes it so that they, I, I agree with you, they can keep sort of like some sort of pace with Bayern Munich in the league. But the the players feeding Holland, uh, Gio Reyna is having a great start to the season. So, I, I mean, you can't, you can't fall. I'm not saying any of these players are playing badly, but they are young is the only case that I will make that it's hard to sort of 
keep that same consistency, especially, and I'll say it again, in a condensed season like this. So I'm interested to see like how how long players like Gio Reyna specifically, because he he looks like an absolute talent of a like a sort of creative number ten midfielder who can also play out wide. That's going to be huge for the USA, especially because they USA have kind of been forced to play uh, Pulisic in midfield for a couple of years now. They can play him back out in his natural position and have Gio Reyna just slot right into that number ten in front of Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. So that's. A huge like development for the USA in the last year that uh, American fans should keep an eye on with Dortmund. But also they've they've sometimes played Jude Bellingham, who was like a winger a lot of the times or attacking midfielder at uh, Birmingham. They've played him in like a midfield two in a three four three, and I don't know. I see it in lineups, and I don't care who they're playing against. I always am like, this kid's like nineteen. Like, why are you playing him in the midfield two next to Witzel? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. It doesn't make too much sense to me, but. Uh, yeah, he's playing well enough. Uh, have you seen any of Bellingham? He's, I haven't. I, I haven't. I've just I heard a lot of good stuff. I people to watch him. He's very nice. Uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of good stuff about him. Apparently, Arsenal are you know, looking at him or trying to sign him in the next couple of years if he doesn't get enough game time at, at Dortmund. He should have gotten in there uh, before he went to Dortmund. But... The other the other team that you know has historically been a, a very good side in Bundesliga and seems to be back is Bayer Leverkusen, who are unbeaten this season, um, four wins, three draws, and and they're hanging in there with with the with the three other big boys that we just talked about and Lucas Alario, who has kind of been he's always been a pretty good player, but this kind of looks to be the season that he's breaking out. He's got seven goals in the first seven games and. You know, Leon Bailey, Musa Diaby, they, they've got young winger, young, fast wingers and good midfielders. I know they lost Kai Havertz, which, I mean, that's a that's a huge loss for them. But they just beat a very good Mönchengladbach side, um, you know, before the international break. And and they, they look to be playing this Florian Wurz kid who's a, uh, you know, I don't know if it's like their, their, their Kai Havertz replacement. But he last season he was the youngest goal scorer in Bundesliga history, and then this year he's been playing a lot for them and, and looked very good, and what definitely a player for everybody to watch. Um, you know how you, you were mentioning Jude Jude Bellingham, but this this Florian Wurz kid absolutely is going to be in the German national team in the future, and you know he looks to be the the heir apparent to to Kai Havertz and. Just, just interesting to see. Um, also, their center back Tapsoba, who I, I, I definitely caught my eye last season. You know, this he's huge. I think he's like six five or six six, and twenty one years old, and and he's he's also looked very good this year. So, Bayer Leverkusen is definitely a team to watch, and they're they're going to be fun no matter who they play this year. So, I, I keep an eye on them as well. I'm just going to throw in my usual uh, shout out to Borussia Mönchengladbach. They're not, you know, they're not killing it in the table. They're still just outside of the uh, top four, or I guess <laughs> four points off the top four. But I- I'm still very optimistic that they can uh, push Bayer Leverkusen and uh, and other teams for the, uh, that Champions League place. And I'm still pretty confident. I think they're top of the group right now with uh, Real Madrid and. And uh, Inter and Shakhtar Donetsk, I'm pretty confident they're going to get out of that group, like I predicted, and maybe cause a problem for someone in the first knockout round. So they're they're a very interesting team, and Alassane Playa and uh, Marcus Turam are playing very well, and they've got a very good young German midfielder and Florian, uh, Florian Newhouse, who's playing just made his Germany debut a couple weeks ago and is playing very well. So I'm uh, still optimistic about them. 
Uh, let's move on to Syria, where that league has almost been turned upside down by the presence in the top four of AC Milan, Sassuolo, Napoli, and Roma, with uh, Juventus just sitting outside of the top four after seven games played. And, uh, you know, they're not playing badly per se, but it's very much a team that's still trying to figure things out. They've had to deal with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, getting COVID and having to miss that Champions League game with Barcelona and a couple of uh, Serie A games as well. Atalanta have had ups and downs so far this season. And uh, so have Inter. So it's it's a crazy league. Uh, Lazio as well. I mean, the top four last season, none, oh, yeah, of, none, of, them, none of them are in the top four down. right now. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy Serie A season. Looks like Ibrahimovic is, I mean, at 38 years old, still banging in the goals. I think he's he's top scorer in the league with eight goals. Andrea Bellotti's back, been scoring goals for Torino. And even with COVID, Cristiano Ronaldo is still up there, you know, in, in, in the top goal scorer's chart. So, great retirement league. Great retirement league. We say that, but then the games are still like very high scoring and pretty entertaining in general, I would say. Like it doesn't feel like an old man's league, even though it's filled with old players in attacking positions. Like if you watch AC Milan this season, I don't think I've been bored with an AC Milan game once this season. It's hasn't happened. It's uh, it's a sight to behold the the turnaround that they've that they've gone through. They're doing pretty well in their Europa League group with Celtic and uh, Lille, even though they just lost to Lille in the the last game. Uh, like you said, Zlatan's playing well. I feel like him and Rafael Leao have created a pretty good partnership. Yet yeah, Stefano Pioli, the 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 manager that kind of turned them around last season, uh, and they managed to keep him in the job uh, after it seemed like he was going to leave. He's done a, a really great job there. I don't know if I, I probably wouldn't back them to maintain this title push, but it's fun to see. It's fun. It's fun to talk about AC Milan again at like the top of the table. It's depressing. Same thing with Roma. Yeah, same yeah. thing with Roma. Who Henrik Mkhitaryan? Of course, the ghost of Henrik Mkhitaryan is back. What, what is your attachment to Henrik Mkhitaryan? Just because he played for Arsenal? Like no, no, no. I have no attachment to him. I just think it's hilarious well, that you've you know, mentioned he's him to gotten... me like two or three times that he's playing great. <laughs> Well, because it's, it's funny that a player who could, you know, was several years in in the Premier League, never did anything for either United or Arsenal, and now he's going to Syria for a full season and and banging in goals and getting assists. So I don't know. It's it's funny to me that he's able to be successful there. Yeah, he was a pretty good player for Dortmund back in the day before he ever signed for United. So I mean. I'm not saying like Premier League is better than all those other leagues. Some players are just better suited to certain leagues than they are to others. Uh, so I think Mkhitaryan probably falls into that category. Let's let's talk about Juventus. Pirlo. I'm still confident. They still ha- like top to bottom. Their squad is still the best in the league, without a doubt. He's ushered in this three-five-two. Let's call it maybe a three-four-one-two. That. I, I, I sat there reading his his like graduation thesis from uh, I forget the name of the academy, but they have this like renowned Italian academy that all of their managers, all of the Italian coaches have to go through and they have to like produce a thesis about how their style of football is going to be played. And someone went through the trouble of translating it to English. And uh, it's basically that three, four, one, two. He wants to press high. He wants those wingbacks to be 
the most hardworking players on the fields. We've we've seen the immersion of a couple of young players who we have we've never really seen play for Juventus. This uh yeah, Frambotta, Gianluca Frambotta. I was going to get to it. I was going to, I was going to get to the the Chiesa. The, like, I'm trying to because when I mentioned that I read his thesis, my the whole thing is like I'm kind of confused because he wants hardworking like uh, wingbacks who are very much apart and like defined wingers in the attacking phase, but also have the energy to get back. But then he goes and signs like Federico Chiesa and plays him on the left, and he puts. Uh, Kulisevsky, the uh, Swedish uh, youngster that was playing at Parma last year, brought him back and he plays him in almost every game. And those those players are both very good, but like wing as wingbacks, like I mean, Quadrado fits that mold a little bit better, so he plays him there a lot of times. It just seems like he doesn't have the personnel to play what he and his like thesis recently like he doesn't have the the players to play that, even though he has the best squad in the league. So I. I I don't know why he, in his first job, like a very big job, it may never get as big for him than this, why he's like trying to force feed his like, quote, style of play when he hasn't been a manager long enough to really like understand what his style of play is. And you've just had like a full season under Sari where they played perfectly well and won the league playing 4-3-3. I don't get why you don't just kind of stick with the 4-3-3 and go from there. It, it, It just seems like a big Hail Mary where right now is a time that you kind of want to keep things stable at Juventus. Like, have, have you have you watched much of them? It, it's definitely interesting to watch, like, but it's, I just don't see it, like, really getting them anywhere close to winning the Champions League this year, or it, it might even go as far as to lead to them losing Serie A or not winning the league title for the first time in, like, nine years. Yeah, I so, kind of feel like it's going to be a lot more competitive this year. I don't, I don't think that their lineup, they've been playing... Almost four wingbacks, you know, Danilo, Quadrado, this, that Kulosevki and Frambata kid, um, both a 20, 21 year old. And then, you know, Arthur Mello and Diabala have been on the bench. Um, Artur from Barca, and, and he doesn't seem to really like Diabala. You know, he, he likes Weston McKinney, who, again, I'm sure, you know, if Andrew was on this pod, he'd be happy that he's getting game time. But it just seems like he's, he's, a good player. he's really he trying a good to bring player. in his, his youth through the team and not rely on some of the you know some of the some of the better players who in the past like like Diabala I'm sure he still has a lot of reliance on Ronaldo but you know right now Diabala zero goals zero assists so far to the start of the season that's got to be worrying you know it, it might make you think that some a player like him is going to be out the door and I'm sure he's going to probably perform wherever he goes and he's relying a lot on Alvaro Morata who we've trashed an endless amount on this pod I don't know I'm I'm worried for them Rabio's getting game time starting every game there's still some quality in that team but it's not the, the, the it's not the powerful Juventus that I'm that I'm used to seeing with chock full of stars and and you know easily winning every game or sometimes not easily but you know winning every game Four draws to start the season for seven games is is definitely worrying for me. So I don't make many predictions, especially seven games into a season. But if you had to ask me, like what surprise is going to happen in European football this year, Juventus not winning the league would probably be one of them. It might not, it might not even be a surprise anymore. And now they might just throw this back in my face and just go on like an amazing run at some point. But. Um, it's just the only thing I can't discern is like who is the team that's going to mount the challenge that actually takes that title away from Juve and it seemed like early in the season it was going to be Inter but they've had one win in their last five league games 
they uh, it it's been frustrating. They they lost to AC Milan. That was one game I watched recently that was very entertaining. Great game. They went two 0 down and a- a- AC Milan equalized. AC Milan have looked fantastic so far this year. I mean, they had. Well, I'm they, talking about Inter. No, I know you're talking about Inter, but you're asking, you know, who could who could m- mount a challenge against them? And yeah, I, I'm still not I'm still not a believer in AC. I Milan. could see I could see AC Milan. You know, I'm. I think that Liao coming into the league this year, he's looked really, really good. Starting, you know, every game for them, he's he seems to be Ibrahimovic kind of taking him under his arm and and can showing Ibrahimovic him the way. Play most of the season, who knows the way he's playing right now? It it looks like he could. You know, it really does look like he could. And and that Fr- Frank Kessie, Benacer, uh Chahoglu, Ch- how do I say that? Kahala, Chalhanoglu. Chalhanoglu. That that midfield three has been just fantastic so far this season, getting goals, um, bossing the midfield, keeping possession, and they've been creating so many chances in every game that, you know, they could have easily scored another ten goals this year. Their their finishing hasn't been as good as it could be, but this team looks really fun to watch, much more fun than any Milan side that I've really seen in, in the last decade, you know, since they won the last won the title and they've they've got some good defenders too, you know. Uh, Theo Hernandez is 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 an excellent, you know, a French World Cup winner, 23-year-old, who's been playing fantastic for them at left back. Um, you know, Calabria who's been playing right back for them and then um, I think they they Darmian. signed yeah. They signed uh Simon Kier, the yeah, the Danish Danish captain, you know, captains the Danish national team and he's super solid defensively. I remember watching him in the World Cup against Peru. Um, you know, he's been he's, playing he's, for Sevilla the last few years. Yeah, he's he's, he's he's a very good player, and you know uh, they they even even brought up this this center back uh, Matteo Gabbia, uh, like a young Italian center back who I've I'd never really seen before. But again, yeah, just watching 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 these players play. You know, I've seen them a couple times now this season. It's it's an exciting side, and and I think that they could challenge Juventus, especially the way that Juventus are lining up and playing right now. Did you mention uh, Brahim Diaz? They uh, they brought him in too, the uh, former Manchester City uh, youth product who they sold to Real Madrid. He's moved to AC Milan. I've seen him in a couple games, and in that Serie A level, he, he he's not quite like shown it like fully yet. But in that league, I think he could be that that, could, that he could be like a breakout kind of player for them that people like have kind of known in the periphery of their footballing knowledge. But then all of a sudden, he just has like a, a great season or a very good season and all of a sudden he's, you know, considered one of the hot up and coming prospects again. They also so, signed uh, this Belgian winger slash midfielder, I guess, Alexis Salemakers. I don't know how to say that correctly, oh, but twenty okay. one year old Belgian kid who who looks quite good. Um and then they've been you know, they I don't know, they have a lot of youth now in this side. This team was really old, I feel like, a few years ago, aging. They went through a couple of years of transition and it seems like Ibrahimovic is kind of bringing everyone under his arms and 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 pushing them on. So, I'm they're right now my uh, my favorite to challenge Juventus for the title, and I'm sure Atalanta are gonna are gonna come roaring back at some point this season. Same with Inter Milan. So, I think it's gonna be a really fun Serie A season this year, like it was last year. I, I don't have a frame framing for this, but can you name or what other player comes to your mind when you think of players that went to the MLS, tore it up in the MLS? And then we're able to come back to a big league in Europe and still do well. Other than Ibrahimovic, who, who do you think of when you think of that? Random as shit, but it's uh, it's Jermaine Defoe. 
Remember when he went to like Toronto for like a season, was like really yeah. good there, and then came yeah, back yeah. and was like helped Sunderland like avoid relegation. I don't <laughs> like, know if he tore it up, but yeah, he was still he was good. He, he was like a he was like a ten plus goal season in the Premier League at like thirty five. Like that's that's the only other player I've I, in my memory I've seen go to MLS and do well there, and then still come back and play well in Europe. Uh, so Zlatan is doing something very rare to watch. But I started this, sorry, I wanted to talk about Inter because I feel like if Inter aren't the team that win the league off of Juve like slipping up with this Pirlo appointment, then Conte's out. Like there's 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 no if, ends, or buts about it. Like he almost got fired after finishing second last year. Uh so uh what what like like what have you seen from Inter that you that you like or don't like? Like and they're only five points off the lead. You know, it's not it's not over. It's they're, they're sitting in seventh place, so it looks. Yeah, it's had a than decent result, a, a draw at, away at Atalanta. You know, only keeping Atalanta to a goal. I I just, I'm not convinced that they're going to get the goals, the same goal output from Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, and Martinez that they did last year. I think that's what kept did them they in get it. Goals from Alexis last year. They got a few of them. Um, it was mainly it was mainly Lautaro and Romelu though. I think I think I think what's been worrying for me is, and I don't know if this is Christian Eriksen's fault, but just how he just still has not incorporated into this side. There's rumors of him going back to Spurs in January. I don't think Mourinho wants him. I think getting Ivan Perisic back into the side could help them this season. He's looked pretty decent coming off the bench, and you know being able to to actually keep Hakimi and and get and you know integrate him into the side um, as opposed to Darmian. I, I think that could help them. But also getting Arturo Vidal, you know, that's a player who's always torn it up when he's been in Serie A. He's going he's gonna to add some, another dimension to this team in the midfield, give them a drive. And, you know, a Vidal and Sanchez on the same Serie A team, it's, it's kind of fun and exciting. And, you know, it's something to look forward to. I, I think that they're obviously going to be the, the third team. Also, they got back Nanagalan, who not got oh, yeah, back, he came, but he, he, he signed he for them as blood. well. They have a lot of, a lot of midfield depth. They loaned him to Cagliari last Cagliari, year. Cagliari, yes. So they have a I lot of. Seen him play for them yet this season? No, he hasn't. I don't, he don't think he's gotten a lot of game time. But again, this is a player who might show up in the middle of the season, and we might be like, oh, you know, forgot he was on there. And, and you know, back in the day, he was a player who was very, very good. But I don't think that Conte is going to like his, you know, cigarette smoking. So, in it, terms, yeah, for sure. In terms of talent. They're probably the closest thing, the closest team to Juventus. Like when, when I look at them listed, on paper. They look to me like better than Juventus because I know that Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo maybe. gives gives Juventus this big, you know, flair. But I don't think Juventus has someone like a, like a Martinez or like a Nico Barella. Well, yeah, I guess I guess like Betancourt. They have, Betancourt. On, on paper, no. their their well, names are still just as good, if not better, than right. Uh, but Inters. but but Pirlo isn't using them. You know, um, yeah, and yeah. I, but again, and I, we're talking about just on paper looking at the squad list. And like I look at the bench. The yeah, I look at the bench though for Inter, and, and I feel like I see more talent on the bench and more depth for Inter. I think they have better defenders, better midfielders, probably similar attackers to Juventus. So I think over a long season, like you said, with COVID and injuries, I think I think this Inter side is going to be one of the teams that over a long period of time you know especially the way that Conte the way that he in his first season with Chelsea didn't start off that well and then was able to to kind of flip a switch obviously flip the system but you know you got to think that this this you know as a great a manager as Conte is he's probably the best manager in the league um and he's he's 
I have faith in him that he's still going to bring bring this side good in the league and that he's focusing on the league this year and 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 eventually we're going to start seeing this team banging in goals and and beating teams properly and I think you know obviously along with it AC Milan Atalanta I think they're still quite good but I'm a fan of this inter side still yeah, the condensed schedule, I think, is going to affect Atalanta far more than it will affect Inter or Juventus. Uh, they're just as good, if not better, uh, of an attacking team as, as those teams and probably one of the better attacking teams in the division. But uh, you've seen when they don't have like all three of the Zapata, uh, Ilicic, and Papu Gomez combination, that they're, they're not quite the same completely destructive force that we've grown accustomed to over the past three seasons. So uh, and that hasn't really been the the case yet this season. They haven't had all three of them consistently. And there's been other players stepping in and, and playing well, but it's just not the same sort of cutting edge. So any sort of interruption to that 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 main starting 11 kind of I'm not going to say they play badly, but it's not quite the same as it has been for the last few years. And that fatigue will wear on the entire team as the season goes on, and plus the Champions League. They're in a kind of difficult group now where they're tied with Ajax and uh, for that second spot behind Liverpool. So uh, we'll see how they handle that. But uh, it would be a huge achievement for them even to retain top four this season. But I think before we move on from Serie A, you have to talk about Lazio. They challenged for the title almost last season, and now they're sitting down in ninth, kind of the same position as Inter, not too terrible, only six points back from Milan, who are leading, but it's uh, you got to talk about it, because they've been ravaged by by COVID uh, positive tests, so I, I feel like for now, we can kind of leave that as the main excuse. The, they've, they've had games in Champions League this year where they have, have had to field multiple academy players, because... Their, their main team couldn't travel because they had positive COVID tests. So, and they've still managed to go to places like Bruges and get a, get a draw. And, you know, I mean, they beat Dortmund in the first game of their Champions League group, which was a huge result for them. But that was before the COVID tests really started picking up. So uh, have, have you watched much of them? Yeah, I haven't gotten to, a chance to watch them this season, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't... I, it's Chiro Mobile. I don't... I, I guess he, they, they were able to get a draw in the last last game against Juventus without Immobile, which is... I mean, I know that they got a... The, 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 the meme online of Calcedo only scoring an extra time, but they got a, you know, Felipe Calcedo equalizer in the 95th minute. So maybe a lucky draw for them, but... I, I still think that this this side will be up there in in the top four or five come the end of the season. You know, if they, especially if Sherry Mobile can can keep his goals up, they still have been able to keep Serge Malenko Savage in this side, and you know he's he's been decent so far this season, looked good, and he's a he's a very key player for them. Luis Arbelto as well, fun really fun player, Brazilian player to watch, um, and then you know Joaquin Correa, the uh, the the I think he was playing for Sevilla last year, wasn't he? No, he's uh, been no. on Lazio a couple years now. But, he's been on Lazio a couple years. But, you know, he seems to be... They seem to be playing, like, a two-striker system up top, and I don't know if this is going to be the year that he breaks out. He had an okay season last year, but, you, you know, you, you got to think that some of these players are going to have to come good if, if Chiro Mobile isn't the one that's that's banging in the goals this year. So I don't see too many new names for them. You know, it looks like they have a lot of, a lot of the same players last year, and like you said, some of these academy products or some of these players that we haven't really seen for them, so... Maybe a new um, you know protagonist comes up for them, but I'm I'm I think Ace Milan is going to be the team that kind of replaces them in that top four for this year. So okay, 
Uh, is there anyone else in Syria that you want to hit on before we move on? I think it's worth mentioning that Sassuolo have had a great start to the league uh, season. Uh, I usually watch them just to check out former Chelsea youngster Jeremy Boga, who's been injured most of this season, but he's just come back. But they've got a couple other interesting players like Manuel Locatelli and Domenico Berardi. Uh, they're, they're an okay-looking team. Jeremy Toljan and uh, Marlon Santos, who used to play for Barcelona. It seems like they're uh, they're just in like a good vein of form right now, but we'll see how, uh, how well they're able to maintain that. Um, if not, we can move on to uh, Ligue 1 and uh, mainly PSG, who we didn't really get to talk about, but are back in uh, they're back in first in uh, Ligue 1 after losing their first two games of the league campaign. They had to play those first two games, I think, six or seven days after losing the Champions League final. So it's not too surprising that like a hangover happened after those that the group of players lost. Yeah, I mean the now they've won they've won eight straight and I think they've conceded one goal in the last eight games. They've scored twenty six goals in ten games. So I'm I'm not worried about PSG in the league this year. You know, it's it's their struggles in Champions League that's probably a little bit more telling. But they have had pretty bad injuries to to Neymar and Mbappe, COVID tests, etc., etc. They're still getting the results in the league. And that's where, you know, it's hard to judge how they're going to do in Champions League right now because they're probably, I mean, I know they're a little bit at danger for getting out of the group, but I'm pretty sure they're still going to be able to get out of their group. And this next game will be huge for them. It's yeah, they got to be Manchester United. At home oh, okay. They lost the first game uh, at RB Leipzig 2-1. Uh, and obviously lost that Man United game 2-1 in the first game. So ideally, they probably need three wins in these last, or maybe two wins and one draw or something uh, to make sure they get out of the group. If they get out of the group, I think with January coming around, there's enough time for them to sort of re rediscover that form that got them to the Champions League final last year. But I'm starting to understand how big of an impact Thiago Silva was to them. I know they still have the players like Marquinhos and Kimpembe are two excellent center backs. But if either of those guys goes down, uh, they're going to be on the, the, the transfer market real, real quick uh, to get a center back replacement. They probably should be anyway to go along with those two, uh, those two center backs. Cause there's like a, there's a noticeable like gap in experience in their back line right now. You see their players, they allow that panic to set in when a, when a, 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 another team has like a good like spell of possession and chances against them. They, they allow that panic to set in much more frequently than when Thiago Silva was there. And I can just say from watching Chelsea this year, the games that Thiago Silva has been available for us, the impact he's had on not only Kurt Zuma playing next to him, but... Ben Chilwell uh, playing at left back, sort of like coaching Ben Chilwell when to bomb forward, when to still sit in. And just the general like calmness he has not only on the ball, but off the ball when we are getting pegged back ourselves. It's been absolutely huge for us. So I can only imagine like how big of a miss it is for PSG when he's been there for the past like eight years almost. Maybe, yeah, probably about eight years. 2012, I think. So I'm interested to see if they can sort of either sign someone or Marquinhos like goes that next step. And I'm 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 fully confident in Marquinhos being able to be like, yeah, I'm the new Thiago Silva. I'm the most experienced player in this back line. I'll I'll pick up where he left off. I'm they've still been, waiting uh, for that to happen. They've been bringing in their uh, 
they bought Abdu Diallo a couple years ago from from Dortmund, and he's been playing yeah, a lot for right. them in center back. They also have this kid um, who I'm looking at right now, Mitchell Baker, who they bought from Ajax a couple years ago. It looks like he was playing in their academy last season, but he's already made eight eight appearances appearances for them in Liga. It looks like he's coming in off the bench, and they're trying to integrate him as an, as another center back who can play for them. So maybe he's good. You know, he's only 20 years old, Dutch, uh, under 21 international, and. You know who? Who knows? Tuchel's very good with with these youth players and bringing them up and kind of bringing them out of nowhere. And then they also signed Danilo Pereira, who we talked about, you know, in the in our first Continental Pod, um, you know, a couple months ago. Who he can definitely slot in a center back in in a pinch, and you know he's he's a player who will add to that midfield, add defensively. So I'm not that worried for them losing a 37 year old who, yeah, well, while he played okay. very well last season. Do you mind if I contextualize that? I, again, I agree with you. I'm not worried about them winning League One. I'm like, I'm saying, do you think they can, you know, get back to even like another Champions League semi-final from what, from what you've seen? Because it doesn't I look think, like it so far. I think, I think, it depends a lot on Neymar and Mbappe. Obviously, if they can continue their their you know run of amazing fit. form that they had last season, yeah, stay fit. Then yeah, absolutely. I think they could ease. They could get to a Champions League semifinal. I mean, they have a fantastic midfielder. Midfield. They have still, I think, a very good back line, and they have depth in their front line, and then a bunch of you know youngsters off the bench that can come on. So, I'm I'm curious to see how how they manage the the Champions League in these next three games that they have because that's really the the story so far with them this season is you know their Champions League struggles. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I still have faith in them. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not off the PSG train in terms of, you know, they're gonna fall off completely. But if they don't make it out of their group, then it's kind of that's kind of their season right there. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure they're really gonna be focusing on these uh, on these next few few Champions League games because I know that they're they're gonna win the league. I mean, there's there's no one in Liga who looks like they could really challenge for them. You know, honorable mentions to to Lille, who, you know, despite every year, you know, they lost Gabriel last this last summer. Pepe the summer before that, um, you know they they seem to always find a player or two to to replace the players that they've lost, and they're they're such a machine, just churning out good young players and integrating them to the side, and, and still keeping themselves in Champions League slash Europa in those places despite losing huge players. So you know, shout out to them. <laughs> there's a there's a 35 year old Burak Yilmaz who's been banging in the goals for them so far this season. I don't know Burak you Yilmaz. Know. Yeah. For him. yeah, I don't know how long that's gonna last, but uh, you know, good good for Leal finding finding Probably players. Until Jonathan David uh, gets yeah gets gets out. into it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I don't see anyone really coming up and, and challenging. You know, Leon have had a little bit of struggle so far this year. They've they've also been hit by COVID. It's uh, Memphis Depay has been struggling with his fitness. You know, if there was going to be a team to do it, it was going to have to be Leon with 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 Owar, But I don't think they're going to do it this season. So not that much to talk about. I know that you like Ren. You you're, you're still a big fan of yeah, Kamavinga. Yeah, I, the, Ren's thing. They were, I think, for like a, a hot second when PSG first dropped their their first two games in the league. Ren were the team that was leading. And like it even went to the point where <laughs> on one like Chelsea fan podcast I listened to, when Ren were in first, they're like, oh my gosh, like. Ren at home, that might be a tough one for us now. They're leading in Ligue 1, and then we just obviously beat them 3-0. Because uh, they haven't had Kamavinga, they haven't had uh, Daniele Rugani, who they have on loan from Juventus for this year. Like, like, those are two players, that two two of their only, I would say, 
significant like international players that are playing for their international side. Maybe their goalkeeper, who's the the backup Senegal keeper behind Mendy. But yeah, Ren are Ren are a nice team. I just don't know how to predict the rest of their season. But these injuries and random people popping up with like positive COVID tests, it's really hard to predict. Um, I think the team, the team that's probably going to be in that top two or three, maybe even above Ren or Lille, is probably Marseille, who they have a really young, exciting midfield with um, Papa Gouye, this 21-year-old French mid- defensive midfielder who kind of looks like a Drissaguay, and he's just like a really young version of a Drissaguay. Then they have Boubacar Kamara, 20-year-old yeah. French midfielder who has been playing for the French U21s, who everyone's been excited about. And then they signed that uh, M- Mikel Quince, Cuchuens, I don't know how to say his name. Cuisance. But they signed him. Cuisance, yeah. They signed him from Bayern Munich, um, and he's just starting to break into the team. So... It's a fun, exciting young midfield. They also have, you know, still Morgan Sanson and, and Dario Benedetto. Good young players, along with, you know, some veterans like, you know, I'm sure we all know Dimitri Payet and then Kevin Strootman, who used to play on Steve Roma. Steve Mandanda. Yeah, Steve An Mandanda still going. Of the team. Uh, and actually, know, a big, a big uh, thing that I think really affected them defensively specifically was when they sold Bunasar to uh, Bayern Munich. He, I mean, he's not like a star player, especially like at Bayern. It kind of like you, you think why, like, but for a team like Marseille to lose him as like one of their most experienced players, it's it, it affects them way more detrimentally than it positively affects Bayern Munich, and it kind of makes you frustrated for a team like Marseille, who you you kind of desperately want them to get back to being on the same sort of level as PSG, uh, them and and Lyon both, to be honest, uh, but. The, the two other biggest clubs in France other than uh, than PSG. So I, I would say keep an eye on uh, Marseille and Lyon, not to actually bridge that gap, but they're the two teams that realistically could. They're big enough clubs with enough history and could attract players if things are going well enough. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye on them if either of them ever manage to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know if they will. I'm, I'm, I've almost given up on France at this point. PSG have just put such a stranglehold on that league. So that'll wrap things up for this edition of the Continental Catch-Up. Thank you guys for listening, Javier. Thanks for jumping on this so late with me, late Sunday night. Yeah, always fun to do these. Take a a look at the youngsters and and the up-and-coming talent teams that we might want to watch later on in the season. Still early days, but it's always fun. Yeah, I got to start watching uh, specifically more Serie A. I've been on a lot of Bundesliga and uh, La Liga this year, but more Serie A because that that league is shaping up to be they got. uh, I I know they they drew 2-2 in their last game with like a last-minute goal from Ibrahimovic. They had 35 shots though in that game, and I watched part of that game. They were just, they're shooting every every minute or two, you know, a couple of shots on goal, and they're, they're a fun team right now, so take a look at them. So, yeah, main takeaway from this, watch AC Milan. AC Milan are fun again. Enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) All right. So uh, keep an eye out for our Premier League preview pod coming out later this week. Uh, I don't have an exact date for that yet, but we'll be uh, previewing the return of the Premier League next weekend, including a very big Tottenham versus Manchester City matchup. You can follow us on social media at ASMoss92 for my Instagram and Twitter at JaviArev9 for Javier's. And you can follow Andrew at Andrew Passaro. And of course, the podcast at Ghost Goal Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, see you.